The Shoot Wrestling Podcast is starting right now, so you better sit down and listen. The Shoot Wrestling Podcast. They say it wasn't going to be done. They said that the Shoot Wrestling Podcast would never come back. That it was nothing but a distant memory. Well, sorry to the dumb shits at the Pro Wrestling Informant, but you can't stop the Shoot Wrestling Podcast. You can't stop KOW Radio. Presented by Ryan Davis, the Shoot Wrestling Podcast has resurrected. And this time, Ryan Davis isn't the man behind it. It's none other than the new face of Kings of Wrestling, Dylan Osborne. And if you don't like it, as Eric Young would say, go fuck yourself. Get ready for the new Shoot Wrestling Podcast Revival. episode of the shoot wrestling podcast revival but i am not alone today but we will get into that in a second first of all if you are checking this out on kings of wrestling empire.wordpress.com you obviously want to check out not only our audio programs but all of the latest and greatest articles that we have out uh, currently the top one at the moment is sean's view entertainment calling out our top man ryan davis so you obviously want to check that one out and if you want to see any um, sort of throwbacks from KOW, any old articles or audio programs, you want to follow us at KOW Empire on Twitter uh, for more information on that and any more updates. But like I said, I am not alone with me today on the Shoot Wrestling Podcast Revival. I am joined by the one and only Brian Zane. And it's great to be here, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Didn't didn't really think we are going to get you here this soon into KOW's lifespan, but here we are. And today we are going to be talking about the general IWC sort of fandom, and how they feel. We're going to be talking about three separate sort of issues and how the IWC interact with them and how we like some things, maybe dislike some things. And hey, me bitching about the IWC, what a shock. So we're going to first be chat- going on to the fans and how they can sort of hijack shows, which I know Brian has definitely done more of that than I have. He's done a whole video on it. So anything you want to maybe elaborate on from that video, maybe stuff that you've missed out, maybe stuff that you could have maybe evaluated better in that sense. Yeah, I, I would have to say that my my episode of Wrestling with Regret about fan hijacking has been, without a doubt, my most controversial uh, episode because I had the audacity to question fans' motives and their actions. Um, you know, I guess the one thing I would have to clarify or re- or retract or redact is my stance on cheering heels and booing faces uh just for the heck of it um i know that 
fans, you know, they pay for the ticket, they get to do what they want, in theory. Um, I guess what I wanted to clarify, I guess a little less emphasis on the whole face-heel interaction, and more just on, I guess, the best comparison I could talk about is, you know, the foot, the football chance, the soccer chance, um, and, and also the self you know, patting on the back chance. The we are awesome chance. That is one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard from a crowd is chanting we are awesome. Um, you know, I think we can let history decide that. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, it, it's a fine line because I'm all for raucous crowds and I'm all for vocal crowds. But I think at the expense of the product, I think when you take away from the actual stuff going on in the ring, that's when it starts to hurt. And let me give you an example. Uh, in the independent scene, I'm a manager. Uh, as my job as a manager, my job is to get heat for the wrestler that I'm managing without actually taking attention away from the match itself. It's a very fine line you have to tread. So I can't be cheating every five seconds. I can't be, you know, blowing a trombone, for lack of a better comparison. And... Um, you know, and expect people to care about the match. It's taking, you know, for, you know, Xavier Woods and his trombone, it's hilarious, but at the same time, it's kind of like taking the emphasis away from what's going on in the ring, which is the main story. Even though I love the new day and I think they're the hottest act right now in WWE. Um, but that's just one example. So what the fans do, say after a WrestleMania show or something like that, when they're especially raucous and they want to chant, things that are irrelevant to the match. They want to chant, we are awesome. Um, and, you know, or, you know, in the worst case scenario, when they would chant things at the women wrestlers about who they're dating, um, that I think it is, um, that I think hurts. That I think is the wrong way to go about it when you're a fan. Um, so that's my clarification on it. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it might've been a little silly to say, don't boo the faces, don't cheer the heels. Cause yes, yeah, some of the greatest, you know, stars we've ever had have come from just that sort of thing that I'm decrying. So I'm stepping back on that a little bit, not entirely, um, because at the same time, I still believe that, you know, the best way to show appreciation for a wrestler is to respond the way the script says they should be responded to. Um, I think if you cheer or heal just because you like them, uh, you're, you're not doing them a service. You're doing them a disservice by doing that. But I think as far as the hijacking goes, you know, you're taking away from the match itself. You're making it all about you, the crowd. And even though you are very important uh, wrestling fans, I don't, you know, at the same time, you paid to see wrestling. You didn't pay for a bunch of like-minded individuals to start chanting, we are awesome. That's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, there was that one uh, thing, I think it was about a month ago now on Raw, with um, the crowd, you know, sort of shitting on the Miz TV and the Divas um, match, and then Nikki was sort of like, how disrespectful the crowd was, which that is her her statement. I can ju- she just should retract that rest- uh, statement after Takeover because obviously they cheered Sasha Banks and Bailey, and then two nights later they shit on a on a Divas match. But I mean the crowd when they say like oh if the match is shit or the match sucks or the promo is boring or whatever we're just gonna sort of do what we want because it's we've paid our ticket. It's the equivalent of me going to a concert. And the singer is not doing a good job, and it's just like me going onto the stage and just sort of taking the microphone and singing for myself, and it's like, well, she did a pretty good job, so I decided to just take action myself and just sort of create some own entertainment. It's like, that's not how it works. It's You go in, 
I need to have a neutral respect for all all the talent. Like even I mean, I remember having an interaction with a Daniel Bryan fan on one of your videos where he told me that you know, for one, for one thing, he assumed that I was an Attitude Era guy, so he used examples like The Rock and Stone Cold, and he said, he made a really bad comparison in, oh, if, you know, Vince McMahon said, oh, you want to have The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, we're just going to give you Shawn Michaels, you're going to, you know, hijack a show to get your own way, um, in comparison to how people hijacked the Royal Rumble this year. And, first of all, it was a bad example because Shawn Michaels put over Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14 before he left with his back injury, and The Rock was still in the mid-card with the Intercontinental title at this point. And even then, fans back then, if we didn't get Stone Cold and Rock, but were given Shawn Michaels, it wouldn't have been the worst trade-off in the world. It just would have been stupid because Michaels is injured, so we shouldn't be getting him, which WWE should have taken lesson from this year, when they gave us Daniel Bryan, but a bit too soon after his injury, so... I mean, bad comparison there. Also, the, the assumption that I'm an Attitude Era fan just because I don't like... Daniel Bryan, but I've gone through that road too many times with, with the IWC and whatnot. But the hijacking is just, yeah, it's a case of the fans trying to justify it, but in a really, really poor way. It's like, if you if you can't get behind a face or a heel because they're bad, don't just suddenly take away from all of it and make it even worse and not even giving them a chance. You should at least either give them a chance or just don't try and give them a reaction. Don't just sort of make their character even more worthless and make it even worse on yourself and on the rest, on the rest of themselves. Exactly, and I think that you brought up a good point with the Nikki Bella calling out the crowd. And yeah, I think there were a couple of the women who were involved in that Raw following SummerSlam calling out the fans for being disrespectful. Well, you know, and it's a problem with the booking. You know, that's not necessarily a problem with the fans. I, we we can't blame it all on the fans for that one. But the issue is, you know, like you said, it was the same venue, the same fans. Uh, they saw over a weekend. They saw Sasha Banks Bailey, one of the better matches of the year the company's put on. And then you have the Divas Revolution on Raw, which um, has totally kind of um, ruined that whole ethos. Um, it's, you know, you know, I, I do think that fans have a right to voice their displeasure. I've been, you know, I'm not an idiot. You know, I've been a part of the business for long enough, and I've been a fan for more than half my life. And, you know, I've certainly had my issues with things, and I've been vocal about it um, as a fan. But... As a performer, like you say, your concert analogy is good. Um, I think one, a, a better one, I would say, is uh, like a movie. If you're going to see a movie in a theater and you don't like it, uh, say it's something Michael Bay did, and then you get up and you decide to just get up and start, you know, uh, banging pots together, and they, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to sing a song. Um, you know, that's not what you went there to do. Um, and, so, and furthermore, why would you bring pots to a movie theater? So I, and, it's, to, and to be fair, TMNT by Michael Bay wasn't that bad. I still need to see that. I, I know it's on Netflix. I need to see it. Um, yeah, Netflix and chill and whatnot. Sick meme. Right. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, with the fans and sort of what chants are considered hijacking and what chants are considered just a very sort of ruckus, you know, hyped up crowd. I mean, the the crowds after WrestleMania are... they. They do do some of the stupid chants, like they'll chant stupid stuff, like they'll chant referees, they'll chant announcers, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Stupid, it's not really to a point where it, it will always take away from the match. Like I remember, this was a few WrestleManias ago, um, Sheamus versus Orton, which was a pretty underwhelming match, and they did all the chants there. And then when the Big Show came out as a heel and you know got a no contest out of it, they were like thanking the Big Show and all that. 
Big Show botched throwing in a bunch of chairs into the ring and all of that. So, you know, there's always a fine line between fans, you know, sort of doing it for sort of the, you know, trying to get more atmosphere into the match with their chants. And then there is just hijacking. Like I go to um, progress shows in London and our, at the fans there, it's sort of like not really hijacking, but they do more of a sarcastic sort of thing, like not taking it seriously. Like the main heel on progress um, near the end of his um, heel run was doing... Um, promos of axes and during a main event of a show he brings out the axe and instead of everyone's supposed to being all like oh, what's he gonna do with the axe they were just sort of like wait jimmy are you sure you're taking this a bit too far but in a very sarcastic tone so <laughs> from from the pro scene to the indies it's like you know you're gonna have fans who aren't only just gonna hijack a show but they can also just sort of make these really sarcastic comments um obviously in the smaller indie venues where the wrestlers can hear you and um, it sort of takes away from the show in that case as well, where it doesn't have to be sort of these big, sort of boisterous chants. It can just be some little comments to the wrestler that um, that can really, you know, put them off or just show a, a sign of disrespect to them. Right. It's all about respect. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a give and take. Obviously, the wrestlers and the people who create the shows have to respect the fans and their intelligence. They can't insult the fans' intelligence. But at the same time, I think the fans have to meet them halfway. I don't think a good crowd is one that just kind of sits there, arms crossed, and says, okay, entertain us, you know, <laughs> yeah. and or, or we'll poo-poo and everything if you don't. I think there has to be some kind of, you know, symbiotic relationship there. Yeah, and, and, and we'll speak, speaking of, you know, fans disrespecting wrestlers, the one person who this year has been pretty much shot on for about half the year, only now is starting to get the respect he's honestly deserved since the beginning of the year, and that's Roman Reigns. And he, I'm one of the people who, from the beginning, with the whole, you know, slammy, I guess you could call it a controversy, where he wins the slammy for rest, for Superstar of the Year, uh-huh. to his Royal Rumble run, to his run to WrestleMania, even to his storylines now, I've always been behind Roman Reigns, and I've always, think, always thought that he's just one of those talents where he's a clear example of the fans just not giving him a chance, thinking he's going to, thinking, oh, he's going to be the traditional John Cena, he's going to be a second John Cena or second Rock. But, you know, they never give him a chance. They never actually let him do anything. And and obviously some of the uh, people giving him the hate also are, like, bitter about the whole Daniel Bryan should have won the Superstar of the Year award and they carry it into Daniel Bryan should have won the Royal Rumble and then they carry it into the Fastlane main event and etc. So I think the hate on Roman Reigns, like, for at least half the year was just atrocious by all of the fans. Right, give Daniel Bryan all the things. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's it. The thing with Roman Reigns is, and like you said, it's it's just one of those things where now we live in this era where the you know it's telegraphed so much as to who they want to strap the rocket to and who they want to make the guy. With Cena, I think it was a little uh, more ambiguous because at the same time you had Orton coming up and you didn't really know those two who was going to take the mantle, um, but. I think everyone kind of knew from the beginning that Reigns is being built up as the guy, especially because I think that CM Punk kind of revealed in that interview with Colt Cabana that that was kind of like what their goal was when they built yeah. the Shield. Yeah. Um, and of course, if CM Punk says something about something, then everyone else has got to go along with it and agree. <laughs> oh, the, oh, God. Um, but yeah, the whole, I mean, yeah, I think one of the hardest working people this year has been Roman Reigns because I think he, I think he acknowledges that, yeah, he probably was pushed a little too soon, especially um, given the fact that, 
you know, he lost a lot of his momentum with his injury. He came back and he was being fed these cheesy lines. Um, it just, um, you know, it hasn't worked out for him. And I think, yeah, the fans kind of seeing what's going on, the smart fans knowing and seeing from a mile away what they want to do. Like they're just trying to nip it in the bud. So I think that, like, I think Roman Reigns could have been given a chance this year, but the fans didn't want to give him a chance. Um, but that was, again, not putting it all on the fans. That was also a lot having to do with the machine behind Roman Reigns and how they were presenting him. I think the worst thing they did was have him start talking because it's clear his mic skills haven't been the best, uh, especially when he had just broken off of the shield. I think they gave him too much of a script to follow. Um, you know, I, I don't, I haven't seen it yet, but I would love the idea of a, you know, somewhat silent assassin main eventer guy. There hasn't really been any of that. I think a lot of fans think that that is a possibility, but I've yet to see that in action. I like the theory, I like the idea of a silent assassin, someone who's kind of a quiet, cool badass, but if you look at the history of main events in WWE, let's just keep it to this little, um, this little subsection of wrestling, who have been the people on top? Has it, has, has it ever been a silent assassin? Has it ever been a quiet ass kick, kicker? Um, no, it's never been that as far in the last 30, 40 years. It's never been that. Um, Bruno San Martino comes the closest, and maybe Bret Hart as well, in terms of people who are humble, made of enters, yeah. uh, people who are, you know, they weren't loud and boisterous. They were more like kind of based in reality. Everyone else has been a giant cartoon, a giant loudmouth. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to give him that push in that way. And I think that if you let Roman Reigns be himself, he'd be a lot more... Um, attract uh, people the fans would be more attracted to him but yeah i think he's gotten a bum rap this year i think he's been kind of the whipping boy by the fans um he, he is paying for the sins of the WWE creative because i think roman reigns is a perfectly capable uh, person in the ring and what i have seen from him since he fought orton i want to say was he did he fight orton last summer slam it might be uh, i want yeah i think ever since then i think he's been able to hold his own in the ring, and I think when he wrestled Daniel Bryan, you can argue at Fastlane whether or not Bryan carried him, but I think their style, the WWE style, is such a way that it's almost kind of foolproof in a way. I think if you're brought up in the style, uh, you can kind of adapt to it pretty well. Um, so Bryan probably was the general in that match, but I think Reigns more than held his own, and he's been proving himself on a consistent basis every month since he's been back. I think he's been getting better and better. I think the fans, now that the, the taint of WrestleMania 31 is kind of is washing off yeah. uh, in the Royal Rumble and Fastlane, I think he's finally starting to prove himself again. Um, now I'm wondering what's going to happen come WrestleMania 32 if they put him in the same position. Are the fans going to poo-poo it? I think the issue is, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, I think we're in this era now where everyone knows what's going to happen next and everyone knows who the next guy is going to be. And basically, there's a very limited number of people that the internet fans, which you know, I thought, you know, it, it's, it's still a, it's still a minority group. I think. I think as far as casual fans are going to outnumber internet fans, like the the in in the in the know people, like four to one at least. Yeah. But um, the internet fans have made a very small list of people who they want at the top, and if it's not if it's not who they think it should be. Even if they're 
even if they've been in the company for a while, or even if they are talented in the ring, and even if they are on some level, you know, worthy of a push, that's not good enough for some of these fans, and they're going to take it out on them in, in the crowd. And I hate it, and I think it sucks um, that these wrestlers have to suffer for the sins of creative. Um, I don't think Roman Reigns is a bad person. I don't think he did anything bad to get the push. Like He's not a bad person for being pushed. Uh, if you were a wrestler in WWE, and if you were given this chance to be in the main event, even if you knew deep down in your soul that you weren't maybe the most deserving person based on time spent in, in wrestling, on terms of, you know, ring work and ability in the ring, um, would you, would you just turn it down and say, no, thank you, Vince. I'm not good enough. I think Daniel Bryan should take it. Or would you take it? Like, you know, I mean, how many selfless wrestling fans are there who would be in that position and would and would you know do the opposite of what Roman Reigns did? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, the booking for Roman Reigns leading up to WrestleMania is like again, I don't know if they were like, okay, we're gonna give Roman Reigns the title, saw the backlash, and they were like, well, we're not gonna give him the title now, but we'll try and make him look at least good, put him with Bryan at Fastlane, have you know, Rain, have uh, Seth Rollins cash in and whatnot. And yeah, the booking, um, the Royal Rumble was pretty bad. The final, the final sort of four and whatnot with the authority sort of just sort of casually eliminating people, that was lame. They should have had it be more of an action pack like Dean Ambrose, Bray Wyatt, uh, Roman Reigns, and maybe Daniel Bryan final four or Dolph Ziggler instead of Daniel Bryan as the final four. So a bit more exciting, a bit more likable people. So even if they do, boo the shit out of Roman Reigns when he wins it's still at least an exciting final four as opposed to the authority just sort of knocking everyone out, dumping everyone over the top rope, then they turn on each other and Roman Reigns is the big powerful sort of comeback and eliminates everyone um, Fastlane main event was good um, Daniel Bryan sort of carried Roman Reigns but I would definitely say Roman Reigns again, I'd say it was probably his uh, breakout match for this year and in terms of the stretch that he's been having that was sort of his breakout match of yeah I can hold it with you know, the best wrestlers. Um, his, Rome, his WrestleMania uh, match was booked really good. It was sort of like how Brock Lesnar was booked with John Cena at last year's SummerSlam. Where it was just sort of like, mm-hmm. I'm Brock Lesnar, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And that's just how it's going to go. They sort of teased the John C- the Super Cena comeback, which everyone would have, you know, rioted if that did fully was fully realized. And they had Seth Rollins cash in. So some good came of Roman Reigns' uh, a little push. I mean, you get Seth Rollins as world champion, even if WWE didn't know how to book that properly, but he's still champion mm-hmm. even today. And I'd say Roman Reigns, except for maybe the Rumble match and probably his match with the Big Show, I believe Extreme Rules, he's not really had a bad match this year, even on just all regular TV. So for someone who got shit on basically all of this year, up until the last like month or so, and even then not everyone was eating up his um, storyline with Bray Wyatt, He's definitely, yeah. I'd say, the most underrated wrestler this year, even though that sounds like a really bold statement for someone who main evented three paper, well, won the Royal Rumble, main evented two pay-per-views, and one of them being WrestleMania, and then I call him underrated. Yeah. And see, I will have to disagree with you a little bit on um, the booking of the Rumble. I think that the Rumble booking, as bad as it was, it was still better than the idea of... of um, Reigns throwing out Daniel Bryan last or making him the final four because it would have been the same response, even though 10 times worse. Uh, I think they had to eliminate the favorites like Bryan and Ziggler and stuff um, in order to try and deflect some of the hate toward Reigns. And I think that 
really the best thing they should have done. They shouldn't have even brought Daniel Bryan back for the Royal Rumble because yeah. then that created a whole bunch of people wanting him to win. I think if they didn't even advertise him or didn't even like, you know, make him an uh, you know, had him be an afterthought until the day after the Rumble. And I, I'm not one for fantasy booking. I don't really do that too much. But I think the better thing they should have done was have Brian come out like the day after the Rumble, say, I'm all healed, I'm all good, and I'm ready to fight. You know, I want to get that title shot. I don't think, you know, I think the way they went about it this year wasn't any better. It was just like, hey, I lost the Rumble, but I, I still think I should win, have, be, have the championship match. And they're like, okay, which was such a weird logic behind that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, but that's not, that's my take on it. I think they should, should have booked it a little differently. I think what they had was the best they could make of a bad situation. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. And again, you know, no one's ever, you know, lost the Rumble and then said, you know what, I should have won the Rumble. I should get my title shot. And even if someone did do that, I bet 99% of the time fans would have been like, no, that's stupid. But because it's Daniel Bryan, it's, you know, yeah, you know, he, he deserves that title. He was screwed out of his title, even though he didn't defend it for two pay-per-views, yet Nikki Bella is apparently not allowed to not defend her title for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Nikki Bella, and also another diva that I really gets under my skin, we have the fan sort of view on the divas at the moment where... Some divas are allowed to do stuff, and heck, even just some wrestlers are allowed to do stuff. I think I'm going to extend this to actually some wrestlers can do stuff. Yeah, other wrestlers can't do the same thing. Of course, we've had Nikki Bella and her sort of cheating accusations, whereas AJ Lee has done it before. But another comparison is actually how, you know, Seth Rollins has definitely not been the cleanest of wrestlers, not only in his title run, but his run to the title. But then, look at CM Punk's career. Most of it is winning through dirty tactics, through all of this. You know, even some of his, quote, clean wins, like his match against Cena at the Champion vs. Championship match in uh, SummerSlam 2011, that was, you know, he got the clean three count, but Cena's foot was on the rope. So to see people sort of look at some wrestlers and sort of approve of what they do to win a title, but then someone else that they don't necessarily like as much does it, does the same, and suddenly sort of call it out and call out that it's bullshit and whatever, it really, really confuses me. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been a big double standardy thing happening. You know, again, it's the whole us versus them mentality. It's the feeling like, you know, this guy is our guy, and so we're a little more forgiving. And it's the same thing you see in, you know, <laughs> in politics. You know, oh, my guy can do that, but not that, not not the other guy because he has a different colored party. Um, yeah. You know, it's just it's very double standardy and. Almost every fan is guilty of it. I'm guilty of it, you know, at some point, I'm sure. I can't give you a specific example, but I know I've, I've probably done it. Um, I've probably done it too, but I can't pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just, I think um, when you when you call fans out for double standards, they have all these different defenses. Like they, you know, like you were saying, like, well, Nikki Bella, she cheats to win. And, you know, like, well, yeah, well, so did AJ Lee. Well, yeah, but she can wrestle. Like, and that's so irrelevant. That's what makes me mad about the whole thing is that, um, one of the biggest bases, I don't know if that's the plural for basis or not, but one of the big things that people, you know, because I, I made that point as well in my summer, in my Night of Champions review, why I think it, people are mad about Nikki Bella breaking the record, it's because she's dating John Cena. It has nothing to do with the cheating to win, or really doesn't have anything to do with the cheating to win, or this and that, or, you know, this, she can't wrestle. Um, wrestling is not now, nor has it ever been a meritocracy, especially in... WWE. Um, yeah, like, 
there are good wrestlers out there that never win the championship for a variety of reasons. It's all based on what the pencil wants, what the booker wants. And sometimes there's technical wrestlers who are there to put over the lesser wrestlers, um, you know, to make them look good. And that's their job. And, you know, it sucks that they may never get their due. Bob Orton Jr. never got his due. He never won a championship, but he was always there to put over the better guys. I was given that example all the time uh, from one of my trainers um, many, many years ago. Um, you know, you don't have to be the best in the world. Um, you know, it's like you don't have to be the best technical wrestler because, you know, a lot, you know, it doesn't matter. It's all what the pencil wants. And I know there's a lot of People saying, well, there's this vendetta, it's this, this whole, it's this whole childish thing where they're acting out because AJ Lee is married to CM Punk and they're trying to eliminate all that. But again, it all boils down to, you know, it's all who they're dating. If AJ Lee were dating John Cena and she won the championship and held for that long, even if she's a good wrestler, not taking anything else into account or not changing any other parameters. If AJ Lee were as good a wrestler as she is and if she won the Divas title and held it for uh, X number of days and had the record, people would still be mad because of who she was dating. It wouldn't have anything to do, you know, they they would still not take her wrestling skill into account. And again, it's just the whole double standards. It's the battle between the spirit of CM Punk and the spirit of John Cena and that whole thing. It's like the people who, quote, deserve the ad- adulation and deserve the respect and deserve the praise uh, versus the people who have it. It's the haves and the have-nots, and the fans are always going to side with the people who have not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they say AJ Lee can wrestle, and even though she can wrestle, she's not exactly leagues above Nikki Bella in terms of her wrestling. I mean, I've stated before in my articles and in even my first episode of this show that I think AJ Lee is probably the one of the most overrated, not in just divas, but wrestlers in general in like the modern age, along with maybe Paige in terms of the divas, where she only looked amazing because the roster she was with was just pretty shit. It was awful. So her not being that bad made her look amazing, and it's probably why she held the title for as long as she did. And right, I mean, and you know, I, 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 um, you know, I think that. People want to, again, bring the whole wrestling thing into it. So AJ is a much better le- wrestler than Nikki Bella. I'm like, by how much exactly? I mean, it's not like, like you said, she's not leagues above it. It's not like if it were Daniel Bryan and me when I wrestled. You know, it's not going to be like that stark of a contrast. I, I think especially with the WWE style, there's a lot of sameness. I think everyone's kind of equal, almost on equal footing. Now, there are some bright spots and there's some exceptions like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Um, but, you know, no one's ever really blown me away. And especially like with the Divas division, you're right. She was in a weak Divas division when she was on top. And now that the competition has gotten better, thanks to the women in NXT coming up, there is this more pressure on um, Nikki Bella to step her game up or drop the title, which she did. Um, but I, just, I don't know. It's like it, it's so tough because it's so tough to look at this objectively because wrestling is not an objective thing. Wrestling, when you compare it to real sports, your American football, your uh, your soccer, um, basketball, you would never have someone who is not at an elite level or at a professional level 
keep a job or, you know, they, they wouldn't be champions in an objective league like legitimate sports. But wrestling is not objective. Wrestling is subjective. So if someone is not that great in the ring compared to someone who is demonstrably better, um, the booker, the people making the matches, will work around the weaknesses and hopefully emphasize the strengths. So that's why you see guys who wrestle into their 40s and 50s and keep wrestling, even though they have no business being in the ring with people half their age. They're still doing it because they're not actually competing. If it were legit competition on the level of basketball or football or soccer, um, these older guys would get smoked. But because it's wrestling and because they're all in it together and they're telling a story, there, you know, there is this, you know, it's it, it's subjective. It's it, it, you know, so my whole thing, my, I guess the point I'm getting at with this ramble is that people want to talk about wrestling skill in WWE like it makes a damn bit of difference. Um, like I said, it's not a meritocracy. It's not always going to the best people. And it's not always going to go to the people with the best wrestling skill. It's never been like that unless you're on some, you know, on some indie fed that has this, you know, you know, Ring of Honor, for example. But then again, they're all amazing. So who do you pick on top of that? Um, it's just, it's just this level of trying to add objectiveness to a very subjective sport. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, again, people were like, well, Nikki can't wrestle, you know, ne- well, ne- apparently neither of the Bellas can wrestle, and then, ironically, the match she drops the title to, to uh, not Natalia, to um, Charlotte to, that's been getting loads of praise, even though I didn't find the match amazing, it was like, hey, that was Nikki's sort of match where she could show that she could wrestle, and people were praising her wrestling, I don't know if she had won, they would have done the same, because they probably would have gone, Nikki won, she's a shit wrestler, and she really mm-hmm. did carry Charlotte through that match, and then Brie Bella had a good match with um, Charlotte on Raw. And I will say this, for, for at least for Charlotte, just a brief sort of going off it, how they've been booking her title reign already it looks pretty bad. She kind of won by a fluke um, to win the title, and then on Raw she kind of fluked it as well. And if you're fluking to win against the Bellas, that's not the best sign going into a title reign. Because, I mean, she both of her comebacks in those matches were very rushed and very... Like, oh, I'm going to do a couple of moves... My leg's gonna be really bad, and then I get, I get, I still somehow do the figure eight, you know, because that's apparently how, um, how it works. Yeah, so, I, I would have to say that the, the United Champions match was not that great. It was very one-sided. It was very like, it was, it was almost a match you would see in, say, like wrestling school. You have two wrestlers who are doing a practice match where it's like so, it's like it's like eighty twenty heel. Um, you know, I don't think that was a great way. To build up Charlotte's reign, I thought it was. I thought she sold way too much in that match. I didn't watch Raw. Um, and I was you, you can check out Raw Rewind on kowmpile.wordpress.com if you want to see my review on it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> for nine, um, not for nine ninety nine though. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just thinking. I don't know. I, I uh, th- th- this whole debate on the women's wrestling kind of tires me, honestly. <laughs> Tires me as well, but I always get roped back into it because someone will make a really stupid comment and it would just be like, hey, I've got two hours more of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the fans look on not only just AJ and Nikki and sort of the contrast there, but also the whole look on this revolution's really been bad in my eyes. They've had the whole, you know, the revolution has started even though they didn't really wrestle or they all, when they did, it was pretty boring tag matches. 
yet in NXT for like a year there was really good women's matches but no one was really calling that a revolution they were just sort of saying it's good women's wrestling yeah and that was that that's a thing that's you know one of the many issues and we could do a whole separate episode of the divas revolution but yeah one of the big issues with the divas revolution is that they're going out of their way to say this is a thing now like yay women when you know that's the main that's the main roster and then yeah like you said on nxt they've been doing these amazing matches and they've never been making a huge deal out of it they've never said like hey women yeah cool it's just been like a part of the show uh, but now that it's caught on, like anything organic that happens in WWE, they gotta swoop in and, and make it a thing. You know, um, look at what happened when Fandango's uh, theme song got over. Um, <laughs> it's you know, it, it's just a it's a big mess with the Divas Revolution, and and one of the biggest issues was um, it was this thing going on where they weren't really fighting for anything. It was just like, here are nine ladies, and we're going to have them wrestle twice a show in different combinations and different you know, match setups, nonstop, uh, with no rhyme or reason, for weeks on end, and you're going to like it because, hey, it's, it's women's wrestling, and that's what you liked in NXT, right? And they just totally missed the point. They totally didn't get it, what made NXT's women so interesting. Um... And now that they're finally have, you know, and, and the biggest issue was there wasn't a championship to fight for. Like, it all started like Nikki Bella defending the title, and we're back to the whole championship thing. Um, they had her defend the belt with Paige. There was a feud with Paige and Nikki Bella, and then it, it totally went from Paige fighting the Bellas to all the women fighting everyone. Um, and Page's push for the title was kind of a backburner issue, and then Charlotte kind of took over, and then and now it looks like they're finally building something for that, obviously, with, with Page turning heel. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like the there was no end game with the Divas Revolution, because at least at NXT, they were fighting for something. They were fighting for a championship, and until recently, the nine women in the Divas Revolution weren't. They had nothing to fight for. Um, now that Charlotte has the championship, who knows where it'll go. Who knows? Unless they're breaking up the teams finally, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's been a rough go of the Divas Revolution. It has not been a good time. Yeah, I mean, one one last thing would have to be um, the hashtag "Give Divas a Chance." So yes, give all Divas a chance. You know, give give AJ a chance, give Paige a chance, but only give them a chance because Nikki getting the uh, Divas title, apparently, it's not giving a Diva a chance, it's putting a championship on a bad wrestler. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I believe that's most of our topics covered. The one last topic that I've, that we both sort of were talking about is maybe the fans being too entitled to thinking their opinion is the right opinion, and the only opinion that really exists in their own mindset. They can't sort of look past, hey, maybe Roman Reigns can be a good world champion. Hey, maybe we shouldn't be a dick to, you know, some of these wrestlers and hijack their stuff. Hey, maybe Nikki Bella is a decent enough champion. Yeah, she hasn't been booked the best, but we should at least give her a chance, like that hashtag that we spam on Twitter all the time. Maybe we should do that. So maybe so what do you think about that with the fans just sort of thinking, yeah, our our opinion is the only opinion and then or it being sort of an example of why WWE WWE don't listen to the fans really anymore because they change their opinions so frequently and they think that's the only thing that is right. Right. Well, like you said, give Divas a chance, except for the ones we don't like, except for the ones dating John Cena. Um, you know, 
I think, okay, it's, it's another one of those tricky things that the fans hijacking. I think fans, they are entitled to their opinion. And a lot of the times, especially in today's WWE, in the face of looking at what creative is doing and making these boneheaded decisions, yes, I think you could argue that the fans are right in a lot of cases, but there is still some creative process the company has to do. No matter what the size or the scale has been, there has always been someone pushing the pencil in a wrestling organization. Um, whether it's been three guys, you know, or like 20 people like it is today, you know, there's always some kind of creative force there, and there always has been. Um, now, there's a, in the past, there's been better relationships uh, between the two sides, the fans and, and the creative. But I feel like now that we're in this this era now where yeah nothing is ever good enough um, for the fans for the the, the the smart fans who are in the know and so they are gonna crap on everything uh, unless they get their way which never happens so it's this constant battle um, let me just try and gather my thoughts here it's it's just disappointing because yes the fans they do have a right to their opinion. Um, but at the same time, there is give and take. There is the symbiotic relationship that I described earlier. Um, if the fans' opinion were the only ones that mattered, then why not just have everything go to a fan vote? Why not we just have all every show begin with, okay, fans, what do you want to do? Is like make everything kind of like Cyber Sunday or Taboo Tuesday, make it all interactive, but like have the have the decisions actually mean something. Um, yeah, why don't we just, you know, before every show, we take five of you internet fans and we just bring you into the creative, we kick out the people who we have on the payroll, and we let you guys decide, because you guys clearly know what you're talking about. Um, you clearly have been in the wrestling biz before. And I'm not saying that the people who are in charge of creative are all knowing what they talk about, because a lot of the times they kind of go into it blind. No one in WWE books past two weeks, you know, they always kind of book very short term, and that's that's a problem, but... I think that you're, I don't know, it's almost like you're making it kind of an anyone-can-do-it kind of mentality, which has been a problem that has played wrestling for so long. There's this thing, oh, anyone can get in the ring and do this, and now with all these fans going in there and saying, well, I could book this and I could book that, and everyone has done some level of fantasy booking on some at some point in their lives. Um, anyone who's ever ran an e-fed, you know, has that, has that knowledge. Um, there's just this level of kind of like superiority the fans have. And yes, the fans make the wrestling work. They help drive the stories, but they do not control the stories. That is the different thing. They can help kind of determine where storylines are going, uh, and they can help kind of give a immediate feedback and response to what's going on. But they aren't in control of everything. The writers are. And I'm not saying, you know, sit down and take it but at least acknowledge that you're not the only driving force behind professional wrestling. It's the talent, it's the people in the back, it is the fans, but it's all kind of a, it's, it's, a, it's a big um, melting pot, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, again, another, again, I, it's shocker, I'm giving a Daniel Bryan example here. Another example of, again, the fans feeling that, again, their opinion very entitled needs to needs to happen is this year's Daniel Bryan run. Now, last year, again, another article I've done about this, I gave sympathy to last year for Daniel Bryan, even though I didn't think his push was, you know, immediate, like, really the most deserved, and I feel it was a little bit clunky here and there. But this year, it was like he was coming back from injury. You know, he was, fr- like, literally, the Royal Rumble match, I believe, was 
his within his first three matches back on the roster. Yeah. So to have him, to have the fans honestly think like, yeah, he's going to win, was very very bizarre. The fact very naive. He, yeah, people thinking, oh no, he should win at fast lane then. It's like no. It's like I, I think Roman Reigns is one of the few people. I don't know if this has happened before, but he's one of the few people to at least have to earn his WrestleMania title shot multiple times and still get no respect from the fans. Where it's like, yeah, Daniel Bryan deserves to immediately win at Fastlane, not have to win the Royal Rumble to get into WrestleMania and beat Brock Lesnar. Like at least with Roman Reigns, it's a little bit realistic. But with Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, I'm sorry, that's that's a bit of a one-sided contest unless you want to do some Super Cena booking. But then. Once again, it's like, oh, it's Daniel Bryan, so he's allowed to do the Super Cena booking. Right, and, we, and we've talked about it. It all goes back to the entitlement. It goes back to this ideal of a meritocracy. It all goes back to this person should be the champion because we like him and because he's a better wrestler, as if that makes any difference. Um, yeah, it, just, it all goes back to the entitlement, like you said. Um, I think Daniel Bryan is an incredible talent. It's just it's he's a risk because he keeps getting injured, um, and they want to go with a guy who wrestles a style where he's not going to kill himself every night. You know, I don't know why why WWE is vilified for trying for looking out for the welfare of others is what I'm saying. Yeah, another entitlement that WWE fans seem to have is that like again a wrestler that they like nowadays is always a certain type. I, I can't think of many sort of big guys, like big Roman Reigns type people that fans actually get behind. They're, they're into the more sort of... Even though it's not supposed to be an indie sort of you know, look, it is considered indie with like guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan who are all like technical, high flyers. Smaller. Yeah, and smaller. Whereas, I mean, yeah, you have the exceptions. I mean, even though Cesaro is not a big guy, he's also not a small guy either. He's like sort of somewhere in the middle. Kevin Owens is, no, is another bit of an outlier where even though... Again, his height isn't exactly up there. He's definitely, in terms of size, he's pretty big. He's pretty brawly. Um, obviously, Samoa Joe coming into NXT uh, as well. So even though there are a couple of outliers where the fans will sort of say, all right, these big guys, we will allow. They definitely have a sort of like, no, these guys have to be like Chris Benoit, like Chris Jericho. Um, again, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan would be the more modern examples. And you know, it, it's funny. It's kind of an evolution of what wrestling fans want. This is not a knock on fans. I think it's an observation. Is that back in the '80s when it was you know Hogan and Undertaker and people and sh- people on top like that and yeah. Warrior, it was definitely like here is the ideal. Here is what fans want to be like. And I think there to a very extent that's true. Um, but it's hard to get that big. Meanwhile, in the last 10, 15 years, you've seen this rise of the smaller people. And like, you know, of course, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart kind of preceded that, as well as Kurt Angle. But they're, you know, not very tall, not jacked to the gills, um, people with more realistic bodies, people with more realistic ideals. Uh, a wrestling fan today can look at someone like Chris Jericho or, you know, Daniel Bryan. Uh, or and to a lesser extent, Cesaro, but yeah, especially guys like Kevin Owens, and say, "Oh well, I can, you know, I can lift weights enough to look like that." You know, it's yeah. it's um, it, that's today's ideal. It's no longer, you know, that's that's the society we live in today. It's no longer the big muscle bound guys like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Hogan uh, and Warrior. It's now the smaller guys, you know, like the Chris Pratts and uh, <laughs> things like that. Uh, it's yeah. these smaller, more obtainable. Uh, goals that people kind of gravitate toward, and, and it's transferred over to wrestling too. So I understand why 
wrestling fans today seem to have this more attraction to the smaller guy. And it's always like, it's just been like that for as long as I can remember now, as far as I've been in a fan, like these smaller guys, the last quote unquote big guy I've, I've I saw people want to get behind was Buff Bagwell in WCW. But uh, then I would always go, why he's shit. <laughs> yeah, I was never a Bagwell fan. Like, I never watched WCW live. But I had a few like VHS recordings of Nitro, and I believe I had, I think it was Mayhem 99. And I watched them, and I watched Buff Bag when I was like, he's okay, but he's mid-card. He's not even a main eventer yet. When they did the WCW thing on Raw, he's challenging for the WCW world title against Booker T. And you're just like, no, that's, no. Mm-hmm. Not Buff Bagwell. I mean, there are a couple of other big guys that people have gotten behind, but more in a he's a face kind of way, not in terms of people really, really like this person. That would be like guys like Batista, uh, when John Cena first won the world title before he became, you know, Super Cena and he was still in his sort of thugonomic sort of stage. Um, I'm sure if Owen, I'm sure if Owens or Samoa Joe got to the main roster, again, even though they're not the big, big guys, they're still, I'd say, big enough to where they would, wouldn't be classed in the same sort of level as maybe a Daniel Bryan or a, or a CM Punk in terms of size, maybe. Mm-hmm. One big thing I've noticed is that, you know, along with smaller guys, fat guys are a huge, um, draw for rest, for the average wrestling fan, I've noticed. Um, you know, every time I hear an argument about so and so's physique, uh, or every time I see arguments from like young indie wrestlers or people who want to get in the business, but they're out of shape, but they don't think they have to get a, uh, go to a gym, you know, they'll always bring up the same like five or six people. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, Bam Bam Bigelow, Yokozuna, Rikishi, uh, Kevin Owens today, um, King Buddy Rhodes, King Kong Bundy, Buddy Rhodes, uh, you know, all these, you know, this, this, this small cluster of fat guys. I'm like, yeah, but, and, you know, and I think wrestling is at its best when, like, there's a hodgepodge of different people and sh- sizes and shapes. But, like, look at all the fat people you just listed. Like, what's the one, you know, common thread about them is that, you know, there's something else besides their physique that makes them like amazing. You know, like Bam Bam Bigelow was super agile. Um, Dusty Rhodes was incredibly charismatic. Uh, who else? Kevin Owens. He's got a skill set. He's got a move set with him and an attitude that makes him more of a draw. Like, and this is a message more to the, the people who are indie wrestlers and who are fat fucks and they don't, um, you know, they, 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 they just use that as their excuse to not have to go work out. It's like, you have to bring something to the table. Um, and I know we've t- totally gotten off track from our original discussion, but went, this is just... You just went in, you were just like, to the fat fucks who think they can be an indie wrestler. I was like, wow, that is, that is hashtag Brian Zane no chill right there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, 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 I was kind of going to pull my vet card <laughs> here. so good pull my veteran card here just talking about that you know it's like you know these people the the common thread is they have to have something some intrinsic quality about them besides their weight that that people can overlook their weight for uh and that's just one of the things i don't know how i got into that i'm sorry i I totally went off the rails i can give an example of a a, well i would say fat guy but again a guy who is big or i can give a couple of examples for guys who either look out of shape or are just generally big guys but not in sort of like the Samoa Joe type ways in terms of they are quote, like quote unquote fat is Bassif Dave Mastiff and Grado who are like the two sort of I'd say some of the big UK guys who are literally big guys but they do have something about them like Mastiff is is very you know you can say he's agile like Bam Bam Bigelow but he's definitely got a moose on him kind of like Kevin Owens he can you know pull off some big moves for a big guy 
and then Grado is sort of like the Dusty Robes type thing, where he's really charismatic, but I feel in Grado's case, he does look definitely like he is out of shape. And, mm-hmm. um, but he's like, like a comedian who became a wrestler, right? I believe so. I mean, I don't rem- I, I believe how he came about was he, um, he jokingly posted a, like, sort of promo video, but he was so good in it that, um, a promotion literally said, alright, we need to, you know, we need to get this guy in. And they did. And since then, he's been on, um, I believe it was TNA's boot camp, which I actually saw him live wrestle there, which is quite entertaining. Um, he's actually at the, uh, IPW UK event, um, in a main event against Vince Russo. So mm. that's going to be interesting. I know you're a big Vince Russo fan. Um, my boy yeah. Jimmy Havoc is there as well, representing Progress Wrestling. So yeah, it's just mm. all these big guys. I, can, I get what you mean by, you know, sort of those are sort of the outliers in terms of what fans would want. Um, in terms of fans wanting more realistic sort of shaped wrestlers and more sort of like stuff that they could eventually see, I feel having all of those people be in the main event scene, scene eliminates an obstacle that those people have to overcome to be put over, like getting over your Undertakers, your Canes, your Great Carlis, your Batistas, like, you need those people always, even if they're not going to be at the top, to be the obstacle to push Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, to the top, that one obstacle they need to overcome and make their victory even more triumphant. That's why Daniel Bryan's win at WrestleMania 30 was so big. He overcome Orton and Batista in one match with a broke with like a nearly broken shoulder and before then in the opener he faced Triple H. If those types of guys, the Triple H and Batistas didn't exist, would that moment at WrestleMania thirty been as magical, would it have been as big of a comeback and as big of a push for Daniel Bryan? Right. So I mean that's my take on it, but obviously fans will probably disagree with me and say, Oh no, you know, you like the big. You prob- you're probably a John Cena fan. Ah, oh, you probably wear a green shirt and all that stuff. Even though I'm not really a big John Cena fan, this, despite even though this so far the stretch of his career has been the best match stretch of his career. But in terms yeah, of I think his character. It's- he's his character still sucks, but he's had a, in the ring. He's had a career renaissance, and I will almost always defend John Cena as a worker. Um, yeah, always. Cause- always. Because he may, you know, he may not know how to wrestle, but neither did Hulk Hogan, and that fool could draw a crowd, and he could just play him like in the palm of his hand. Even then, John Cena can wrestle. Like some of the moves he's been implementing at the moment, and just some of the ways he's been able to sort of get these big matches out. Again, SummerSlam, even Night of Champions against Seth Rollins were all great matches, and it was a very good showing. So even then, the John Cena can't wrestle sort of aspect. It really is. It's been worn out by this point. The only thing that sort of yeah, is his character like even again his mic skills, even though the base around his character are still very entertaining. He does really really good promos. It's really just his character that's really fallen flat. But we've gone off, we've gone off the topic of fan entitlement. We're just talking about all sorts of stuff that the fans think of now. And I think we will actually have to wrap this up. I think we've covered our main points. So Brian, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. It's been it's been amazing. You want to check out his YouTube channel, Wrestling with Regret and Mick. I mean, do I do I plug your your one with all your indie stuff on it? Uh, if you want to, I, I've been booked yeah. so irregularly in the indies, it's uh, not even worth it anymore. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's definitely you know wrestling with regret with a W at the beginning because uh, I love alliteration. Uh, so that's on YouTube, as uh, also on Facebook with the same name. My Twitter handle is at Zman Brian Zane. Yep. So those are all of Brian Zane's social medias. If you want to check him out, and you should check him out because he is a very very good youtuber 
does some really great tweets, even does some live event, even does live events on YouTube post pay per views for small reviews. Recently, doing his Night of Champions one. Um, mm-hmm. I do sketches. I do I do sketches, reviews, music videos, um, pay per view reviews. It's it's a lot. You know this 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 show of mine, this humble little show of mine, has grown a lot in the last uh, year or so, and I'm really proud of it. And I hope uh, anyone who's a fan of wrestling, um, no matter who you root for, whether it be the great Kali or Daniel Bryan, I think you will enjoy at least something that I have to offer. Yeah, if I had to recommend one video of his, and I will recommend one video of his, it'll probably be his Muhammad Hassan um, overlook overlook on his character. And everything it was one of the first ones I watched. It was one of the it was one of the first one I looked at. I was like, hey, it's a really really good video. Either that or the Reign of Terror. I'd probably put the Reign of Terror as your best video in my opinion. Just Thank you. Just the way it's all over, the way it's all analyzed. So those are Brian Zane's social medias. Obviously, you want to you'll be watching us on kwempire.wordpress.com. Look out for this. Won't be the only video I'll be having with Brian. We're hopefully going to be getting a and A done at some point. In the future, we did try to get some feedback from you guys for some questions, but sadly that kind of kind of fell flat a little bit. But we will. I got no sold. Yeah, we got we got no sold, but we will carry on and we will try and get something out there. You obviously want to follow me, follow me at KOW Dylan Osborne, and follow at KOW Empire on Twitter for any updates on this situation, on any further updates, any new articles, anything that is coming out. But I've been I've been Dylan Osborne. Brian Zane's been joining me for all of this, and we will see you. I have no choice, no cheat to do, it's time.